today, uh, what I want to do today is talk to you today about a little redundant there. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity and he needs to be treated with the utmost respect, okay? And, uh, and so let's look at some things not to do to the Holy Spirit. Some things not to do to the Holy Spirit. The first thing is you don't want to blaspheme him, okay? And in Mark, the third chapter, 22nd verse, says the scribes came down from Jerusalem and said of Jesus that he had Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub is another word for the devil. And, uh, and they said by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. What they were doing, they were accusing Jesus of being demon possessed. Now, we know Jesus had the Holy Spirit in him and on him, right? And so when they said this, they were essentially, uh, 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 they, they were calling the Holy Spirit a devil. And they were attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to that of the devil. Now that's blasphemy. Absolute, that's blasphemy. And in verse 28, Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. And actually, if you read Matthew's account, Jesus brought out there, he said, even speaking against Jesus would be forgiven men. Now, I don't want to speak against Jesus, do you? But even if you did speak against Jesus, if you did, that would be forgiven. He said that over in Matthew's account. But he who, now watch this serious stuff here now. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. Now that word blaspheme means to speak against. He who speaks against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation or eternal damnation. Now that is serious business, isn't it? This is one sin that has no forgiveness to it. The Holy Spirit must be handled. He is a person. He's not an it. He's a person. And he must be handled delicately with absolute, total, and complete reverence. Okay? And, uh, and, and so what these people did is they attributed the work of the Holy Spirit to that of the devil. That's blasphemy. And, uh, and you think about it. All sins that, that we could ever commit can be forgiven. Even speaking against Jesus himself can be forgiven. But to speak against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. And notice verse 30 really brings it out. Because they said he has an unclean spirit... You don't ever want to attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to that of the devil. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. It's dangerous. And so all sins will be forgiven mankind, but you start speaking against the Holy Spirit or attributing his work to that of the devil. Serious stuff here. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. That sin has no forgiveness. Now, Having said that, I, I want to call your attention to 1 Timothy 1.13. The Apostle Paul said this. He, saw, he, he said this. 1 Timothy 1.13. He said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now that's important to know concerning blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If somebody does something ignorantly in unbelief, it's not going to be held against you if you repent, uh, repent of it. Now you need to understand that. If you say something against the Holy Spirit and you do it ignorantly in unbelief, that's a whole different story than saying something against the Holy Spirit and you full well know what you're doing. 
I've heard people say over the years, they've said, they've said, well, tongues is of the devil. Well, now you and I know tongues is not of the devil. Tongues is of the Holy Spirit. But I've heard people say tongues is of the devil. Well, when they said, somebody said, well, did they commit the, uh, uh, did they commit this sin of blasphemy? Well, it, it was blasphemous, blasphemous what they said, but they said it ignorantly in unbelief. I've heard people say it. Coming out of the Baptist church, I've heard, I've heard, uh, <laughs> People say, you know, tongues is of the devil. But, but, but they said it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul said that he was a blasphemer and he, he, you know, but he, he uh, obtained mercy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. So the thing of it is, if you do something ignorantly and, and, and in unbelief, uh, you can be forgiven of that. You, 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 you need to understand that. Because when you receive Jesus as your Savior, old things pass away, all things become new, you become a, a new creature in Christ Jesus, and that person that blasphemed the Holy Ghost died. You understand that? So you're a new person. So if you do something ignorantly in unbelief, like, like I said, I've heard people say, well, tongues is of the devil, but they said it ignorantly in unbelief, so that wouldn't be held against them if they repent, you see. But if you full well know what you're doing, and you speak against the Holy Spirit, full well knowing what you're doing, okay? Now that's another matter. And, uh, and there's no forgiveness for that. Uh, I, I'll say this. Because over the years, a lot of people have come to me and they've, they've been concerned that they've committed the unpardonable sin. And, and I tell them this, and it's, it'll help people. If you are afraid that you've committed that, you haven't. Because people that commit that really don't care. And they don't want nothing to do with the Lord anyway. So that'll help you right there. If, you, if you're afraid, oh my gosh, I think I might have, I might, oh, I might have blasphemed the Lord. I might have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I might have committed an unpardonable sin. If you have that, that, that dread about you, there's really good news. You haven't committed it. The people that commit the, this kind of a sin, they don't really, they don't really want anything to do with the Lord anyway. Well, that's comforting to know, isn't it? That, all right. So if you're concerned you've committed it, you haven't. But, but what I wanted to show you is, is that, that we're talking about things not to do to the Holy Spirit today. And, and one thing is blaspheme him. Don't speak a word against him. And, uh, I don't attribute his work to that of the devil. Okay. Now then that's the first thing you don't want to do. Serious stuff. Now, another thing you don't want to do is lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, look, if you would, uh, Acts, the fifth chapter, notice verse one. A certain man named Ananias with Savior, his wife, sold the possession, kept back part of the proceeds. His wife was aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Watch this, to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. So it's possible to lie to the Holy Spirit. You don't want to do that. Now, while it remained, verse 4, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing his words, fell down and breathed his life. He fell dead, didn't he? It's, is, it, is it dangerous to blaspheme the Holy Ghost? Yes. Is it dangerous to lie to the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. And great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And of course, you can read on here for the sake of time. I, I won't, but you can read on. And his wife came in. I don't know what it was about three hours later. And she did the same thing. Sapphire and she fell dead too, didn't she? 
So let's don't lie to the Holy Spirit. It's a dangerous thing to do. Now, I've been asked this over the years, you know. Did Ananias go to heaven or did they go to hell? Ananias and Sapphira, did they go to heaven or did they go to hell? And, you know, when I was much younger, I would have answered that and I would have said, well, they must have went, they, they, they must have went to hell. But you've got to think about this. I meditated this over the years. These two, the couple, this couple, they were members of this church in Jerusalem. You know, you couldn't just become a member of that church by filling out a membership card. You study into it, you had to be, you really truly had to be a believer in the Lord to get into that church. And apparently they had some sort of prominence in there because Peter knew him by name. And, and I don't think for one second Peter was going to let somebody be a member of that church if they weren't truly born again. So I've come to, de, to, to decide, and I could be wrong, because you could argue either side of this, whether they went to heaven or whether they went to hell. But I've come to think that they were truly Christians. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and, and you know, there's a difference between lying to the Holy Spirit and blaspheming him. Now, they didn't blaspheme him, did they? They didn't blaspheme him. They didn't, they didn't speak against the Holy Spirit. They didn't blaspheme him, but they lied to him. Now, you don't want to do either one. Blaspheme or lie. But they didn't blaspheme him. They lied. Now, now, now I've come to see that I think that these, these people were truly born again. Ananias and Sapphira. I really do. And, uh, uh, but they allowed the devil to fill their heart at, at, with, with some things that they shouldn't. And they lied to the Holy Spirit. And uh, when they did, they fell down dead. And I tend to think that they uh, they went to heaven. They just went early and not the way you'd want to go. They suffered loss, but they themselves were, I think, saved. On top of that, how many people do you, how many sinners do you know would sell anything and give it to the church? Huh? I mean, maybe, maybe there's some are, are that would, are that would. Not, not, I'm an old math teacher, not an English teacher, but... I don't know. You could argue it either way, but I've come to see that I think these people were probably saved. All right. Because like I said, you couldn't become a member of this church without being saved. You know, there's here here in the United States, you, you know, you can become a member of a lot of churches and not even be saved. Did you know that? Now, I wouldn't let anybody become a member of this church if I hadn't checked up on them and was as sure as I could be that they received Jesus and they were saved. And, and, and you can read it. The, you don't get into that church in Jerusalem without being born again, without being saved. I think they were saved, but they lied to the Holy Spirit. What does that tell us? That a Christian could lie to the Holy Ghost. Now you say, well, they lied to Peter. Well, yeah, but he was under the anointing of the Spirit of God. You know, it's one thing to lie to a, to a minister of the gospel, but it's another thing to lie to them when the Holy Ghost is on them. When the Spirit of God's manifested Himself on them. Do you understand that? And that's what these two did. And they fell dead. And, uh, and, and, and you know, there was a day I'd have, I'd have said they went to hell. But, you know, as I thought about it, they uh, over the many years, I think they probably went to heaven. But, you know, you could argue either side of it. The Holy Ghost said to me one time, there is a dangerous place to die. Remember the prodigal son when he was in daddy's house? Remember that? And he left daddy's house and he went out and he wound up in the pig pen. Well, thank God he didn't die in the pig pen. Thank God that he repented and came back to daddy's house and daddy received him back. Is that right? 
But what if he'd have died in the pig pen? Well, there's a dangerous place to die. You don't want to die in a backslidden state. Did you hear me? And I, that's a whole nother message. But the point here is, you don't want to lie to the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Yeah. Now let's move on here. Acts, the seventh chapter. So we have blaspheme in the Holy Ghost. You don't want to do that. You don't want to lie to him. And you don't want to resist him. Notice here in Acts 7, you have Stephen preaching. He was a deacon, you know, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he was preaching a message, you know. And you can read it in Acts, the seventh chapter. And he comes down to it. He was he was preaching a message, recounting a lot of the Old Testament and whatnot. He was preaching to sinners. And he makes this statement. He says, you stiff, this is Acts 7.51, you stiff neck, what does stiff neck mean? Stubborn. You stubborn and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So you could resist the Holy Spirit. See, there's blaspheming him, there's lying to him, and then there's resisting him. Now, the, those first two that I talked about, blaspheming him and lying, those are, those, those are probably the two most serious offenses. So I put those first. The ones I'm about to read now and go over with you now are, are, are less, less serious than blaspheming him and lying to him. But I don't want to do any of these. I don't want to resist him, do you? But those first two, I would say, are the most serious. So I got those out of the way. Because uh, most people I've met have not blasphemed the Holy Ghost. I, I, don't, I can't remember anybody that I've ever really met that knew what they were doing that blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Or even lied to the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? I, 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 but, 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 so, so let's look at these other things because these other things tend to, 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 to hit us more where we live. Resisting the Holy Spirit. Now, sinners resist the Holy Spirit because, see, he had just preached a, a gospel message, really, to them, and they were resisting. And he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Sinners resist the Holy Spirit in their refusal to receive Jesus as Savior. When a sinner refuses to receive Jesus as Savior, you know, I, I've watched it. I've preached many a, a, a messages over the many years, you know, and, uh, and, and that convicting power of the Holy Spirit comes on a, on a sinner, you know, and, and they don't respond to the altar call. What are they, re, what are they doing? They're what? They're resisting the Holy Spirit. I taught you how nobody can come to the, to, to, to get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws them. Is that right? And that convicting power. And when, when sinners resist that, they're, they're, they're resisting that convicting power of the Holy Spirit, you know. But not only can sinners resist the Holy Spirit, Christians can resist Him. Christians resist the Holy Spirit by not obeying His leading and giving Him His way in their lives. And I've watched oodles. You know what oodles means? Lots of them. I've watched oodles of Christians, and I've done it myself. Resist the Holy Spirit... By not obeying his leading and giving him his way in their lives. When you don't obey the Holy Spirit and give him his way in your life, you're resisting him. And actually, people can resist the Holy Spirit to the point of rejecting his messenger. And in extreme cases, even executing his messenger like with Stephen. See, Stephen preached this message. They resisted his message. And look at verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. And then you can read on. They went out and they, they stoned him, didn't they? So, 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 you know, 
Christians can resist the Holy Spirit and, 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 and in extreme cases could even want to execute the messenger. I know, I know over the many years in pastoring, 27 years now, sinners and Christians alike have rejected me for delivering the message the Holy Spirit gave me to share with them. It's happened again and again and again. Sinners and Christians alike have rejected me for delivering the message the Holy Spirit gave me to share with them. Now, they never stoned me. But I think some of them wanted to. <laughs> they just So there's resisting the Holy Spirit. Now, here's another one. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. You resist the Holy Spirit long enough, you'll start to grieve Him. And... Uh, uh, have you ever felt that on the inside that, oh, huh? Anybody ever feel that besides me? Oh, well, if you're born again, the Holy Ghost is in there. And that, oh, if you ever, you know what I'm talking about? Right on the, that's where he's at, right on the inside. Oh, I can tell when I've grieved him. I know when I've grieved him. And you know, uh, grieving the Holy Spirit, it's an interesting thing. I'm going to read some verses here that, that it's really going to hit home, I think, for all of us. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 29. Because uh, grieving the Holy Spirit may not, may not be altogether what you think. Look at this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. This is Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now look at this. By whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, now you know, we think about grieving the Holy Spirit. We, we you know, we, we think about maybe disobeying Him or resisting Him in a certain way, and that's all, all true and valid. Just talked about that. But, Anytime we let a corrupt word come out of our mouth, guess what? We've grieved the Holy Ghost. This is very sobering. Anytime we've let something come out of our mouth that doesn't impart grace to the hearers, it's grieving to the Holy Spirit. It, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. That all grieves the Holy Spirit. When we're not kind to one another, when we're not tenderhearted, when we don't forgive one another, even as God in Christ forgave us, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. I, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something bad about somebody and when you said it? Uh, come on now. Huh? Have you ever, have you ever gotten strife with somebody and you, uh, are you, you have, you have words with somebody, you know what I mean? Words like crosswords with somebody, uh, huh? Are you, are you listening to something you shouldn't have listened to? Gossip about somebody? And oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? That's a Holy Ghost on the inside of you being grieved. Absolutely the truth. So you want to repent when that happens. Repent, repent, repent. He'll forgive you, right? That's not equal to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You know, resisting Him. Grieving him. Now we shouldn't do it, but it's not on the same level of blaspheming him. Repent. And he'll forgive you and don't do it anymore. Can you say amen? So we don't want to resist him. We don't want to grieve him. And we don't want to this next one. We don't want to vex him. Vex. V-E-X. Look at Isaiah 63.10, King James Version. Says this. Isaiah 63.10, King James Version says, But they... 
But they, this is God's people who he had greatly helped, rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. My goodness, you don't want to vex the Holy Spirit. Uh, Vexing the Holy Spirit is worse than grieving him. Vexing him is worse than grieving him. Now, I don't want to grieve him, but I sure don't want to vex him. Do you? Absolutely not. Now, now, let me tell you the difference. The difference between grieving and vexing the Holy Spirit is this. In grieving Him, you are resisting Him. But in vexing Him, you're not only resisting Him, but you're also pursuing that which He opposes. You see the difference? You see, when, when, when the difference between grieving and vexing the Holy Spirit is that in grieving Him, you're resisting Him. But in vexing him, you're not only resisting him, but you're also pursuing what he opposes. Now, if you read on here in Isaiah, uh, it brings up uh, uh, in Isaiah 63, it brings up Moses and the, and the people of, of, of uh, the children of Israel, you know. And uh, uh, you need to think of this. The children of Israel, after being led out of Egyptian bondage, They didn't just resist God, but they pursued what he opposed by building a golden calf. Do you remember that? And they made an idol and they worshipped it. Now you see they were vexing him there because they weren't, they, they, they weren't just resisting him, but they were doing something he's opposed to. Did you get what I just said? Did you get that? See, 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 uh, uh, grieving the Holy Spirit's when you resist Him and all that. We talked about that. But, but you go a step further when you're not just resisting Him, but now you're doing that which He opposes. You step over in an area where you can vex Him. Absolutely. And that's what the children of Israel did. They didn't just re- resist Him. They vexed Him and, 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 they, and they built that, that golden calf. And they worshipped it. Would you agree with me the Holy Spirit opposes that? And uh, and so the Holy Spirit, you know, he helped the children of Israel, but but then they not only resisted him, but they turned on him and they vexed him. Let's don't do that to the Holy Spirit. Let's don't do that to the Holy Spirit. I said, let's don't let's don't resist him. Let's don't grieve him and let's don't vex him. You know, while we're talking about the children of Israel and, 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 and all, I, I, I want to say this. This has been rolling around on the inside of me for weeks now. And this is a, I just, just couldn't find a place to put it in a message. or I didn't want to preach a whole message on it, but I just make a statement on it here. And it has to do with this, this idolatry and whatnot. And who would you want for your pastor, Moses or Aaron? Aaron was Moses' brother. Huh? You would want Moses, wouldn't you? Wouldn't anybody want Moses? And so many Christians... Now, I've been doing this 27 years. That's a long time. Pastoring. And most Christians would say Moses. But my experience has taught me that while most people would say Moses... They would really want Aaron. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying the multitudes of people that have been through here over the last 27 years, they'd all probably say Moses, but they'd really want Aaron. You know why? Because Aaron did not restrain the people. He let them do whatever they wanted and allowed them and assisted them in committing idolatry 
with this golden calf. You know what Moses did when he saw the idolatry? He melted down that golden calf. He ground it into powder. He sprinkled the ashes on the water and made the people drink it. Now, do you really want Moses? I want Moses. He's not going to let you or me or anybody else get into idolatry. You know, I've tried to be like Moses in pastoring. I've, I've fallen way short, but I've tried to be like him over the many years and not like Aaron. I've tried my best to restrain people when I saw they were getting over into idolatry and starting to let things become more important to them than, than the Lord Jesus. And I've stood here and you've been right here along with me all those, these years. And, and, I, and, I, and when I saw people putting, putting things up more important, putting them, letting things get more important to them than Jesus, I, I pointed it out. And I tried to be like Moses. I didn't want to be like Aaron. I didn't want to let the people just do whatever they do and go after idols. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's cost me many church members over the years trying to be like Moses because most people, they, they want to go on in their idolatry and this and that and the other, do whatever. But I've tried to be like Moses. I've done my best. Now, I've never ground down an idol and sprinkled it in the water and made people drink it. I've never done that. Now, I've wanted to, but, I, but I've never done it. Always be sure you got you somebody like Moses. Even though you may not like what he's saying a lot of times and he's not going to let you go on. Because it's so easy for all of us to get over into idolatry and we wouldn't make a golden calf, but other things can become more important. They can slip in. You hear me? And so I've tried my best. I've done the best I could. Also, if you're taking notes to be, to be like Moses. Also, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Vexing the Holy Ghost also implies a deep cutting hurt. From ingratitude for goodness shown. In other words, uh, uh, let me read it again. Vexing also implies a deep cutting hurt from ingratitude for goodness shown. Was God good to the, to the, to the children of Israel? Yes. Did they show gratitude for that or ingratitude? Yes. Ingratitude. And in that ingratitude, it, vex, it was vexing to the Holy Spirit. When people are good to you... <coughs> Always be grateful, and especially when God's good to you, because He's good all the time. Let's always be grateful and never be ungrateful or ingrateful, however you want to say it. Because, because it, when He does good things for you, when the Holy Spirit does good things for you, and you're not grateful, you can step over into an area where you can begin to vex Him. We don't want to do that. Now let me close this message by talking about the, the last one here. Because we've talked about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. we talked about lying to the Holy Spirit, resisting the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit, vexing the Holy Spirit. But this last one here that we never want to do is quench the Holy Spirit. We never want to quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. To quench means to extinguish or to put out. Like putting out a fire. You know the Bible talks about the fire of the Holy Spirit. I've talked to you about that in one of the previous sessions. And that fire can be quenched. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can be resisted, grieved and vexed to the point that he is quenched in a person's life. I don't ever want to get there, do you? 
I've watched Christians, I have watched Christians resist and grieve the Holy Spirit in a certain area so long that he is quenched and stops dealing with them in that area. The Holy Spirit can be quenched in a church service by indifference and apathy, both on the part of the minister and or the congregation. I've seen it where the Holy Spirit wanted to move in a church service, but the pastor would not yield to him, being afraid that someone would be offended and leave the church. And the Holy Spirit was quenched. I've dealt with this many times over the years, over the last 27 years, many times. I had to make a decision. Do I follow the Holy Spirit or do I offend people over here? Which do I do? Do I follow him or do I... Uh, do I follow the Holy Spirit? Because if I follow the Holy Spirit, I'm going to offend people over on this side. But if I don't follow the Holy Spirit and I don't offend the people, but guess what? I can quench the Holy Ghost. I don't want to quench the Holy Ghost. And I could give you story after story of this where I've had to deal with this over the years. But I think the one that might stand at the top of the list, one day a man came in the healing line. And he had a back problem. He was injured in high school. He's in severe pain. He learned to live with the pain. He came in the line. I had two couples visiting that day, four people sitting off to my right. They took up a whole row. They were sitting there. And, uh, and, 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 I, and, I, and I knew by the Spirit when I came up in front of this guy that if I laid hands on him, that they were going to get up and leave. I just knew that. I don't know how I knew it. I guess I just knew it by the Holy Spirit. It was going to be offensive to them. And I had to make a decision. Do I lay hands on this man and let the healing power of God flow? Or do I, offend, do I offend those four visitors who may or may not ever come back here anyway? Do I quench the Holy Ghost or do I make the visitors happy? Which do I do? I decided not to quench the Holy Spirit. And I laid hands on that guy. And when I did, I can't heal anybody, but the power of God flowed through me, hit that guy like somebody hit him in it. We didn't need any catchers or anything. Somebody, it looked like somebody hit him in the head with a baseball bat. I mean, he went down under the power of God. Well, no more than he fell under the power of the Holy Ghost, those four visitors got up and left. But guess what? They got up and left, but that guy got up off the floor healed by the power of God. Can you say amen? I said, can you say amen? Can you say amen? And I tell you what, uh, I stood at the door back there that day. I'll never forget it. My wife's standing right side of me and that guy came up to me and the power of God was so on, on him. It took him about 10 minutes, literally, to tell me what he could have told me in 30 seconds because the power of God was on him. It was hard for him to talk. But he was totally healed. He was rejoicing. He said he was hurt in, a, in high school in a football football injury, you know. And his back was was injured, you know. And he lived, learned to live with the pain. He said when the power of God hit him and he fell down, he said he was instantly healed. Glory to God. It took him about 10 minutes to get that out. And then the Next thing I know, there's a little about a little 12-year-old girl standing inside of me. She was visiting here that day also, and she was in tears. And I said, honey, what's wrong? She said, I've never been around anything like this. I've never been around it. Because she was so touched by the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, I don't want to quench the Holy Ghost, do you? Amen. I know another time, I, uh, the Lord began to deal with me as a young boy. Oh, I say young boy, I'm saying around 20 years old. He began to deal with me about these healing lines that we would have. Now, back at that time, I didn't know I'd have a church and have, have hundreds and hundreds of people in healing lines, and even into the thousands, I guess, over the years. But he began to deal with me about when people would come up in front of me at times, he'd have me do unusual things to them. 
And the healing power of God would flow. Well, I never obeyed him because when, whenever somebody would get up in front of me, this is even before we started the church, when I was ministering in another church, people would get up in front of me and the Spirit of God would prompt me to do something. I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to offend anybody or I didn't want to uh, do anything out of sorts or whatnot, you know. And I remember up at the school when I had the first healing line we ever had. I was coming down the line. There's probably 30 people in the line. I was coming down the line. I got in front of this fellow. You know, he had a stomach. He had a stomach issue. And I, I asked him what's wrong. He said, I got a stomach issue. And the Spirit of God prompted me to lightly punch him in the stomach. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to offend him. I didn't want to offend anybody, you know. I didn't want people to think I was weird, you know. So I just went right on. Now, the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me for years about this. And I, and I, did, I never would obey him. And as I moved on, something changed. And I knew the power of God wasn't there anymore. What did I do? I finally, I, I quenched the Holy Ghost. I could tell there was something not right. And so I, I repented. Thank God we can repent. And I, I got back up. I called that guy back up. I said, I called, he came right back up in the line. I said, now, when I prayed, because I just prayed for him generally, I said, did you get healed? He said, no, I can't tell any difference. I said, well, I missed the Holy Spirit. I missed him. I said, can I obey the Holy Ghost and minister to you? He said, surely. I said, can I have your permission to just gently hit you in the stomach? He said, as long as it's gently. I said, certainly, it'll just be gently. And so I just popped him in the stomach, instantly healed by the power of God. That power of God came back and I finished ministering. Those other people, I called them back up. Let's lay hands on you under the power of God. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God forevermore. Uh, and, and the Lord's had me do that over the many years. Just, just you know, I, I, I mean, slap a knot on a girl's neck, you know, that had a golf ball size, size lump on her neck. Slap that thing under the power of God. He's had me kick people. He's had me, he's had me blow in people's eyes. He's had me slap people upside the head. And now, almost without exception, every one of them has been healed. Can you say amen? amen. Is that wonderful? You know, I don't, I, 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 I'm going to tell this story real quick. I forgot about this, but, but the Spirit of God brought it back to my remembrance. I don't know if any of you, you, you remember this. You may not. But we were up in the school and there was a person that came up one time. I, I got up to preach and I said, does anybody here need prayer? And, and there was a person, as a lady, raised her hand. She said, I hadn't been able to sleep at night. And so I called her up, laid hands on her. I didn't slap her or nothing, just laid hands on her. The power of God came on her and she fell out. She slept through the whole service. Glory to God. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, that's the only time it's okay to sleep through the, through the pastor's sermon. But she was having trouble sleeping. I, I remember that. I laid hands on her, and I preached for about an hour that day, and she slept through the, She didn't snore, thank God, but she slept through the whole service. And at the end, when I, and no more than I got done preaching, she came up out of it. It's, you see, it's supernatural. She came up out of it, and I asked her, how you do? She said, I haven't slept like that in years, she said. She said I feel so refreshed. Isn't the Holy Ghost wonderful? See, I'm hungry for those kinds of things. How about you? And we've had so many of them in 27 years. But we don't want to quench the Holy Ghost, do we? Now let me finish this up. I've seen it where the Holy Spirit wanted to move in a certain way in a service. And the congregation wanted to go home because it was past a certain time. And what the Holy Spirit wanted to do got quenched. I remember I went over to see Brother Hagin the first time at a certain church here in St. Louis back when I was probably about 21 years old, back many years ago. I'm 57 now, so you do the math. First time I ever saw Brother Hagin in person. And there were thousands and thousands of people there. And, and I went to see him several nights. But the third night I was there, I couldn't get a front seat. I was up in the balcony. And the third night I was there, 
Uh, I remember about, about uh, he had just finished his message. He came down and he was getting ready to minister. Healing. And a third of the congregation got up and walked out. And I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost then or anything. I was born again of the Spirit of God. And right on the inside, I was grieved. There's something wrong. Third of the kind, they just got up and left. Well, what happened was it got a little late. And, and the sign went up that the nursery's closing. And a third of the congregation got up and went to get their children. And Brother Hagin, I could even tell it. I didn't know anything much about the Lord at that time or the things, things of the Spirit. I knew the Lord, but nothing about the things of the Spirit. And I could even tell you there's something wrong with that. And Brother Hagin, you, I, I mean, this is the third time I'd ever seen him. He got perturbed with it. And he went back up on the platform and he said, I was just about getting ready to start, go over to the invalid section and point at wheelchairs, tell people to get up in the name of Jesus. He said a third of the congregation got up and walked out. He said the Spirit of God lifted up uh, off of me like a bird and lifted up off a fence post. I remember him saying that. See what happened? The congregation quenched what the Holy Ghost wanted to do because it was getting a little late. You have a prophet of God like that come to your church, you stay till he's done. Do you hear what I said? You stay, and I tell you what, when the Holy Ghost is in operation, as long as he's in operation, don't be looking at your watches, be looking at your Bible and hang on every word. Can you say amen? Now the problem comes in when, is when the preacher goes on past when the Holy Ghost wants to, to go. Now that's another thing. I've done that a few times over the years. I've tried not, I've tried to learn. You, when the Holy Ghost is done, we're done. You hear? You hear what I'm saying? But, but, but I tell you what, as long as the Holy Ghost is moving, I tell you what, uh, uh, McDonald's can wait. Is that right? Uh, the, the, the lunch can wait. If the Holy Ghost is moving, you want what the Holy Ghost is doing. Is that right? Is that, is that right? There are churches that have resisted and grieved the Holy Spirit for so long that they quenched Him and the very atmosphere in the church became so dead you could almost cut a chunk of the deadness out with a knife. When the Holy Spirit is quenched in a church without repentance, now thank God we can repent, but when the Holy Spirit is quenched in a church without repentance, the glory will depart and the church will die. It's not always the pastor's fault. Most of the time a congregation will quench the Holy Spirit and kill the church. Close with two stories. I'm trying to close here, but a good preacher always closes a few times. So listen, listen carefully. Many years ago, a local pastor in this area came to me and sat in my office grieved. I remember him doing this, grieved. Many years ago, grieved. Why do you think he was doing that? Because the Holy Ghost on the inside of him is grieved. And when the Holy Ghost gets grieved, it'll grieve you if he's on the inside of you. And he sits in my office many years ago, local pastor here in this area, and he's grieved because he wanted his church that one time was alive, but it was on the verge of dying. He wanted to begin a soul winning campaign. His church leaders, the elders, the deacons, and even the members would have no part of it. He asked me, Pastor Terry, should I stay or should I go as a pastor? But see, he didn't start it from scratch. They, they'd hired him in and he wanted, he wanted to do soul winning. You know that's the greatest thing you can do to flow with the Holy Ghost is win souls. And they said they would have no part of it. He said, what should I do as a pastor? Should I stay or should I go? I told them to obey God. I said, try to get the people there of your church to follow you as you follow the Holy Spirit. If they ultimately won't, then go. 
They would not follow what the Holy Ghost wanted to do. He left. They quenched the Holy Spirit and that church still has services to this day, but it's deader than a doornail. See, if you resist the Holy Ghost long enough, you can get over to the point where you can vex him, grieve him, vex him, and then eventually quench him. Some weeks later, another pastor called a meeting with me and he sat in my office right back there. This time, this guy was grieving and crying. And again, why was he doing that? Because that's where the Holy Ghost is. He sat there and he was bent over grieving and crying. It was the Holy Ghost grieved on the inside of him. He grieving and crying in my office. He wanted, I said, what's wrong? He said, he said, I, he said, I just want me and a, some people in our church, a few people in our church, we just want to raise our hands and worship the Lord during the worship service. But the elders will not allow it. Well, the Bible says we ought to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Isn't that what the Bible says? It said they won't allow it. He said, what should I do, Pastor Terry? Give me some advice. I, I said, well, you need to obey God. You, really, you ought to obey God rather than man. And he did. And he went in there and began to lift his hands to, in obedience to God and he got fired. You know, he's better off. I said, he's better off. I said, he's better off. That other guy, he left at you. They're better off. Both of them were better off. The elders quenched the Holy Spirit and the church died. And is dead. And the last I knew, it's sitting vacant. See, the Holy Ghost wants to do things. If we won't flow with him, he'll deal with us and deal with us and deal with us. But we can resist him and resist him and resist him and grieve him and grieve him. Vex him. We shouldn't do any of those, but ultimately you can quench him. If there's no repentance, he'll eventually be quenched. Doesn't mean those people lost their salvation or anything. Not saying that at all. But I tell you what, they didn't have God's best. So let's not resist the Holy Ghost. Let's not grieve the Holy Ghost. Let's not vex the Holy Ghost. Let's not quench the Holy Ghost. Let's not lie to the Holy Ghost. And certainly, let's not blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Did this help you at all today? Let's all stand. Praise God. If you're out there watching on social media, uh, I, I want to I, I invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior. And don't you resist Him, okay? Don't you resist him. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he loves you and, 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 and he wants you to receive Jesus. The Holy Spirit does. So, so call on the name of the Lord. Receive Jesus into your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as Lord and Savior. If you'll do that, you'll get born again. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So don't resist the Holy Ghost. Receive Jesus today. God bless you and bye-bye.